0: The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast and presented by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady Meg. 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN and then go to sportscampodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportscampodcastcom slash edge to get started today. And welcome, everybody, to the NBA Game Win Podcast here for Tuesday, May 16th. I'm Rose host for the show, Scott Rochelle, once again joined by my co-host, Delonte Smith. And together, we have games once again. We're going to be talking about game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets, which will be taking place, obviously, on a Tuesday night. Delonte, how's it going with you? I know the last episode or so, we talked about an actual series preview. Yep. We got games again. How do you feel about
1: it? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm locked in. I got like I'm up to my neck in all this information. So I'm just ready for the series to get started so we can actually have data to look at and analyze. But, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to both series. I think both series are going to be great. I know we preview the Western Conference. And I know you guys previewed the Eastern Conference um, a few days back. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready for it to get started so we can uh, so we can dissect it and not go on, you know, preconceived notions.
0: Yeah, and uh, shout out to Terrell and Adam, uh, Adam Rosenberg, for joining me yeah. uh, to <laughs> to break down the Eastern Conference. It was fun. I know the last time I saw you, we ended up really just destroying the Game Seven prediction. I know I swept everything that I had. I know that I'm pretty sure you did well as well. We like the under. Uh, how can you take the under? Is it two hundred? Because because it's, <laughs> it's going to go under. I mean, that's why we right. that's why we like the under, man. It wasn't easy, but it got there. Uh, I will ask you though. I know I kind of previewed it or recapped it with. Terrell and Adam yesterday, but any last Game 7 takeaways you want to mention because you haven't been on the show since? Uh I mean not
1: really. It's just I think you guys pretty much hit on everything. Uh I didn't like the comments from Embiid didn't like it from Harden. Uh no responsibility from either of those guys. And you're the best player, so you gotta dictate the tone. So I wasn't a I wasn't a, um, a fan of that. I mean, Tatum was unreal. That's just yeah, th- I mean, that's just the end of it. Um now everyone's like okay are we gonna give missoula credit but I mean how much credit can you give him he did make a couple of changes, but I mean it's just it's just staggering how people just go from like recency bias it's just so so weird to see people flip one game at a time and I thought but, yeah man. Trauma- I mean,
0: I thought Terrell made a good point on yesterday's show where he basically congratulated the Celtics for winning the series as minus 600 favorites to win the series. So yes, on one hand, they did advance. On the other hand, they made life significantly more difficult for themselves when they were clearly the favorites. And I think Doc Rivers was right for most of the series. Nobody picked Philly to win the series. So the fact that that was the case, I do think is pretty interesting Uh, But speaking of which, I'm actually going to bring him on here because I think that he wants to talk about it one more time. Uh, Terrell, how's it going? What's up? Hello. How's it going? I I was giving you your flowers for uh, the round of applause you gave to Celtics fans and betters for uh, winning as minus 600 favorites. Do you want to take a victory lap one more time?
2: Oh, no, I'm good. I had enough victory laps of that.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, But we're going to go through the... Uh, game one. However, before I actually got into any of that, there was a couple of uh, talking points I wanted to cover first. First things first, that it's a very important day on the calendar, not just because of game one for the Western Conference Finals. It's ping pong season. You have the Wimbanyama sweepstakes taking place tonight. And of course, you can bet on who you think is going to potentially get him. There are no there's no value on betting anybody unless you think you have inside information or you think it might be rigged. But I'm going to ask both of you since you can't really predict anything, but since this is the most important day for a decent amount of franchises who have been tanking for the last seven, eight months, is there any landing spot you actually want Victor to end up in? Is there one team you hope he goes to? Terrell, I know both of our teams don't exactly have any ping pong balls in the sweepstakes, so I'll ask you, which team do you want Victor to go to and why?
2: I would say I feel like Portland deserves something good and the fact of they just the one time that they got something good it was greg odin so i really feel like they deserve a mulligan and just let's run it back let's get them something good and let's see what they do as a franchise what i think will happen is I think he goes to the place where all international players go to have a great career and be amazing and go play with Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. I've said this since the Spurs were down to the lottery, and I realized that Victor was a Frenchman. It was already written. The script is there. I just cannot, I literally cannot imagine, and I would be shocked if we get to tonight, And the Spurs do not have the number one overall pick. It just feels like it's, it's, it feels like the same script that was written when the Pelicans so happened to get the first round pick right after dropping AD, like right after trading AD. The Pelicans get the first round pick when they had like a 6% chance that season. Come on, you can't tell me this thing ain't rigged. So I will be shocked, genuinely shocked, if the Spurs do not get the first pick today. I'm betting the Spurs plus 550 to get the first pick. The only
0: piece of news or information regarding Victor that I'm waiting for to guarantee the Spurs hunch is him having a Tony Parker poster at some point growing up in <laughs> France. That's <laughs> the one piece of information that I'm kind of waiting he, you on. You know
2: he had one. What about he, he, did. One. he was, about he was the I face of the national
0: one. team. Yeah, I just haven't heard any news about it, but I'm waiting for the Spurs to get the first pick. And then you you hear right around the draft. Oh, I I was a big Tony Parker fan. I had a jersey. I had a poster. I used to watch the Spurs all the time. You know, that's going to happen. He's going to say it right after. That's what he's going to say. Right after they
2: draft him. It's going to be right after they draft him. He's going to be like, yeah, I I really like Tony Parker. (laughs) And he's going to talk about how he kind of modeled his game a little bit after Tim Duncan. Like, he's going to like it. This is where international players go to have amazing careers. The San Antonio Spurs. Popovich has not quit because of Victor. It's going to be Victor, Pop, and then it's going to transition, Pop, out. It's going to be Tim Duncan and Victor. And it's all written. It's all written. The league is rigged.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you, Delonte. I know before we went on air, we kind of disagreed about Portland, uh, potentially not wanting him to go there. But I'm going to ask you, where do you want Victor to go and why? Uh, I
1: want him to go to Orlando. But like we talked about, I don't know if that's going to be a possibility. Um, with that all that size that they have and some of the length, there'd be a very, very fun team. Um I the second team I guess that has a shot is Detroit, but I'm kind of selfishly like a K stand, so I kind of don't want him to go there to overshadow some of the things that K. That'd does. be a really
0: fun pick and roll though. They have about right, 17 it would be. centers already, so right. they'd have to trade right. half of them, but still. Right. Um, but yeah, I think he I think he fits
1: better like in the Detroit scheme once they get rid of some of those guys. But as you guys said I think he goes to the Spurs I think that Popovich staying around for a reason he's got no reason to stay around he's got all the accolades he's uh I mean I guess staying around is just keeping him like young he seemed like he enjoyed that team even though they were trash so I think this is his prize for staying around uh I would be I would be shocked if either the Spurs or the Pistons don't get him
0: You can also make an argument, even though the Spurs played a relatively boring brand of basketball, according to most basketball fans, the league is probably better when the Spurs are not total garbage. Can we agree on that? Yep. So that might play a factor, too. But anyway, of course, that's going to be all theory. We'll see what happens later tonight. However, there was one piece of NBA news that was circulating for the last day or so. And I know that Terrell and I didn't exactly cover it in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals preview episode. It involves a young point guard in Memphis, and he might not play for next year. That's all speculation.
2: No, not exact- that's, that's not true. That is not true.
0: I, I, I said that he might not. There's supposed to well, be There's rumors. not even a
2: might there. There's no possibility. There's rumors John of Grant a has, long. Speech. No, there's not. No, there's not. That's just, that's just people talking. No, it's not. Uh, okay. Not well, real. the point
0: is, I'm saying the- for the extreme. But I'm just, just saying that there's talk about it. there
2: are people that have done a lot worse. I'm not even gonna repeat it, but they did a lot worse this past season and only got 30 games. He is not getting suspended for a long for a long period of time. He's not getting suspended for an entire season. If you think that is it, just go ahead and get out your mind. They're not doing it. Like
0: personally, it, I think he might get half the year, but we'll see what happens. However, I do want to briefly bring it up because, of course, I'm talking about John Morant and how he was on Instagram live once again and he was holding a certain type of gun uh, again. So as a result, he's going to be facing some type of suspension, and now Memphis is going to have to game plan for life without him. I'm not going to spend much time going through you know, what Josh should be getting for a suspension, et cetera. Instead, I'm going to pivot more to Memphis just to wonder what you guys think should be their plan for the upcoming season and how they plan on handling it in the future. First of all, do we think Memphis can actually hang around with – Tyus Jones as their starting point guard for half the year maybe, and then they can potentially pick it up after? Or do you think they have to move on from John entirely because he might not be mature enough to fully handle the keys to a franchise?
2: I think this is a mute conversation. I'm not going to lie. I, I can't even picture – he's not getting a lengthy suspicion at all. Like, he – I, I, I truly – don't think that there's anything to talk about. Okay, here.
0: fine. So, so if you want to forget I would about the for
2: Memphis, would no. You but still- I'm saying even for Memphis, like I don't think there's any re- like there's no relevancy here. I, I really don't think there's any rel- relevancy here on a uh, type of preview for Memphis next season. What they're going to do. There's a whole lot of things that are, that are going on. I mean. I'm trying to figure out what I don't I have to even look and see what even rule technically says the NBA the NBA says that he broke like I don't even know what rule they're saying he's other one other time is because he had a gun in a club which you cannot have like you can't have a gun in a club so that made a little bit more sense now he's off and I don't know I just think this is really a mute point. <laughs> This isn't the exact
0: same thing as the Gilbert Arena situation because that occurred in a locker room on like NBA property. So, this isn't the exact same situation. It was Jaws' free time. So, I actually am curious what law he officially broke, according to the NBA, besides some unwritten code of don't promote like, you know, gun stuff while you're one of the faces of the league. But the point is, I at least wanted to bring it up because that was one of the news points outside of the nba playoffs and how it involves one of the young stars in the league and we'll see what happens but at least i wanted to bring it up the counseling that they sent him to apparently didn't exactly do much delante you have any thoughts briefly
1: yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to see what they do um i mean he's just got to be a little bit more responsible at the end of the day uh he didn't break i mean it's particularly it's legal to have you know a firearm but I mean, you don't want to just go flashing it and you were. I was going to say, I know, think, think it's player. more just
0: bad optics for the NBA. Yeah. So they're going to punish them accordingly. I'm yeah, sure and it's just a loop,
1: re- I mean, it's but. just a repeat. Of, it's a repeat offense. So, you know, I, I don't think I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I just think as a person, as as a role model to so many kids and different things. I mean, just got to know what to do and when to do it at the end of the day. Uh, as far as the suspension. I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to do it or if they're going to do it, but it'll be interesting to see how it folds. I know Shams was on like CNN talking about it. Like, it's, I, I don't I don't think it's quite that big. I mean, he didn't murder anybody. But, I mean, let's just not take it out of context here. But, um, I didn't the even point.
0: use the gun. You, right, there could yeah, have been I mean, no bullets in there. Is the fact yeah, that he yeah. just had it in, a pos- in his possession. That was kind of, the
1: yeah. Point. I mean, I get people's outrage, but it's just like, I mean, some, some people are taking it a little bit too far. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he just got to be better as, as, a, uh, as a player, as a human being, to, to some of these kids who, who look up to him. So, hey, I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I hope he learns from it. And, I mean, he might get dinged, like, you know, like, what, five or ten games or something, but he'll go away. I, I, think, I think he's going to get more
0: personally, but we'll see what yeah. happens. But yeah, we'll I, what do, happens. I do want to always bring up the, uh, I'd say, lasting impact, at least for me when it comes to Ja, his new nickname, because I'm going to start calling him Ja Wick. And I'm looking forward to it. It should be pretty fun. Uh, so I am going to be calling him that from now on. But if you've seen the movie, then you know. But it's still, uh, I, that's going to be the main impact that this story has for me. Just another nickname to give Ja. But once again, we don't know. I just wanted to bring it up. If he misses 20 games or 30 games, would I be shocked? No. But then again, Terrell makes a good point. I'm not sure what, I'd say, rule he actually violated besides just... Being Again, a superstar of the league, and they just don't want him to be doing that. So they might. Miles him Bridges
2: got thirty games. He is not getting thirty games.
0: In theory, though, Bridges kind of got the entire season because he did not play right after it. I don't think that was a coincidence. No, it's because nobody.
2: Been- it's because nobody wanted to sign him because what he did, <laughs> like that. That his official suspension was thirty games. He's not getting any more than that. Like that. That is. He's not even getting close to that. He's not even yeah. getting close to that because, again, if you know what happened in situation allegedly with Bridges, it's way worse than it was a lot worse than jaw. Yeah,
0: so. definitely true. But I want to mention it briefly because that was some NBA news. But anyway, uh, time to actually move on to Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals right after I talk to all of you about our brand new sponsor, Edge Boost. Edge Boost is excited to announce an early exclusive access partnership uh, SGPN is excited to announce exclusive partnership with EdgeBoost, the world's first bet now pay later Visa card. Similar to buy now pay later programs like Affirm and Afterpay, EdgeBoost allows you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal and weekly installments. That's right, zero percent interest. Simply deposit funds into your account, and EdgeBoost will match the deposit, so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances as you build a repayment history. My Edge Boost double down play of the day, personally, it's actually a baseball play like the Rockies team total over. In their game against the Reds. But with the special offer, the first 500 SGPN users will start at a $1,000 advance limit, and the next 2,500 users will start at $500. Go to slash edge to sign up today. That's slash edge. Must be 21 or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling, call 1 800 Gambler. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Just finished briefly talking about the NBA Draft Lottery and what transpired with Ja over the last couple of days. Now it's time to actually get into the preview for the game, the loan game, on the Tuesday schedule. If you like standalone basketball games, Get comfortable because every day from now on is basically a standalone game. And we have game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Currently, the Lakers are home on our road underdogs of roughly six points, and the over under is around 222.5. Uh, I'm not sure who wants to go first out of the two of you to preview this game. First of all, just to go through the actual number. Does anybody think it's fascinating that the Celtics are around minus $5 to win the series and they're minus 8 in game 1. The Nuggets are roughly minus 160, so roughly a $4 difference in terms of series price and the Nuggets are only laying two less points in game 1. Do either of you find that fascinating?
2: You can go, uh, ahead, you uh, go ahead, Uh yeah, I don't really um I don't really think it's like it, it's it's a little interesting. I think it just says that you know the books are expecting the nuggets to come out here and really put it on the lakers uh, and and that you know home court is means a lot more in that series they're expecting that you know every home team is going to show up for that series and it's probably going to go i think we talked about it last night with the the best odds being that the game's going to go to 7 so i think they think every home team is going to win that series whereas you t- go technically to the, Celtics- the worst
0: odds to go 7 but still
2: yeah, worst the the size. The yeah, most whatever. Likely
0: outcome. Yeah.
2: yeah, most likely outcome is that it goes seven by the books for them. But whereas you look at the other series and it's just straight up, they think that the Boston Celtics are better than the Miami Heat. So um not really not really concerned there. I think that it'd be uh, it's a little interesting, but I, I just think that it just goes more to the overhype of the Boston Celtics than it is because Denver's probably been one of the most trustworthy teams in his playoffs.
0: Yeah, I personally just think it's a bit fascinating that the Lakers, especially, who have been priced at several points in the playoffs to punt games. We saw it against Memphis and we saw it against Golden State. There were a couple of games where the Lakers were winning the series and even might have had a closeout game. And yet the team down in the series was laying double, basically two possessions or more against them. And it seemed like every time that was the case, the Lakers got killed in that game. And now you're looking at the Lakers, who some people think of a shot to win the series. I personally do. I know that Terrell thinks they got a shot to win the series as well. And yet the Nuggets are laying a pretty decent number in game one, which suggests to me that maybe the Lakers go back to LeBron's old uh, game one process, which is use it more to experiment with defensive coverages, try to discover what actually works in this matchup, and maybe get buried in game one and then take all the adjustments for game two. Devontae, I'm going to ask you, do you think this line is right, or do you think that this should be a little bit shorter? Because according to the series price, these, these, I'd say, games should be pretty competitive, or at least the series should be pretty long.
1: Yeah, so I think it's that's a great point that you brought up. I didn't even think about it that way, but just off the top of my head, I think that the Lakers are more, well, obviously, they're more a public team than the Nuggets. So if you gave them, you know, two to one, or maybe their actual quote-unquote true odds, then they just get bit into, like, a frenzy. And I don't think the Nuggets are, you know, so much of a public team like Boston is. So I can see the parallel and the differences of why the price is their price on, on that end. And I just think that it has more to do with not giving the Lakers a fair, a, a more, I guess, plus price. Because, I mean, everybody knows they're going to bet the Lakers, people are going to bet yeah. the Lakers no matter how bad they are, no matter how good they are. Um so I think from a price point perspective, I think you do have a point. Um, but I think it's just more of a public uh, sharp kind of thing. If you were to make the Nuggets, you know, a little plus money, or if it was more 115, 105-ish, I think the Sharps would bet Denver. Um, and I think it's perfect price right now. I think we both talked about it Uh Saturday or Sunday, whichever yeah. day that we recorded it, I thought it was a, de- I thought it was a decent price. Uh, I well, wanted we it to be lower. So we, th-
0: so we think it's a good price because you had Denver in six and I had the Lakers right. in six. So right. we, yeah. we kind of clashed there. But, yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. And, yes, you mentioned that everyone bet the Lakers anyway because it's LeBron. And you're going to mm-hmm. assume LeBron finds a way again because he makes the NBA Finals all the time. I do think that a lot of it has to be based on liability for the sports books. Yeah, they definitely. don't want one-way action on a side for a series, especially when you have two very solid teams in the West right now. So I do think part of it is based on trying to make the line intriguing enough to still bet the Lakers while also not making it too much. So it's all money on the Lakers. So I do think some of it's trying to avoid liability. But I find the line fascinating for game one when the series price is particularly close. That was kind of my takeaway.
1: Yep.
0: But uh, to go through the actual... Uh, spread though, since uh, we kind of just danced around it. Now, it's time to actually dive into it. What are we expecting for game one? Because LeBron, historically, not the greatest game one in t- uh, winner, but re- this year, the Lakers have kind of bucked that trend and they've won game one on the road in both series against Memphis and against the Warriors. Terrell, so I'm going to start with you. Do you think the spread is too large? Do you think that it's large for a reason? Where are you going for the side in this game?
2: I think that is a look. I think that is large, um, a little bit too big. And I mean, I get it though. Denver's been really, really good at home. Denver's the number one seed. Denver has looked great, but these two teams do not know each other as constructed now. I mean, the last time these two teams played was uh, what was that January 9th? Pre tread date. tree, pre tread day. De- look, I can't even talk. Pre trade, pre trade deadline. deadline. Yep. Yes. You got to toss trade it out deadline. You got a
0: different team. You got to toss it out. I
2: mean, let's look at the let's for shits and giggles. Let's look at what the rosters were and who played in the box score of this game. So you have for the Lakers, they started Max Christie, Thomas Bryant, and Dennis Schroeder. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go back past there. Like that. Those are three people that played in that game for them. You have uh, Nianji, Ken Car, who are coming off the bench for Christian Braun played one minute, like, you know, Bruce Brown was the only thing consistent for the, for Denver off the bench. These are two different teams. They play differently. Denver's really, really picked up their defense uh, in the course of these playoffs and looked a lot better on defense than they did majority of the season. So I think that this is a little bit of a closer game. I think this is going to be a fun one and this is going to be a nail biter. I think Denver still probably ekes it out at home and wins the first game, just kind of a, Uh, narrative get up spot because last time you played this team you were down 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals and so I think that this is a perfect opportunity for Denver to win a close one but I don't think LA is going away like I think that LA is going to have a different level of defense that Denver hasn't seen in the playoffs yet and it's going to rattle them for a little bit so I kind of like the Lakers early but I think Denver rallies and be able to pull off a win but Lakers still cover
0: yeah, it was a long time ago, the four regular season meetings, but just for reference here, which kind of goes back to the shortest odds being the, the Nuggets to win in seven games, uh, the home team won all four games and the home team won comfortably because each of the four wins were by double digits in the regular season. Now, of course, the rosters are different, but based on what we've seen so far when these teams have gone together, the home team has won relatively comfortably. But the I'm going to ask you, for this overall spread – do you think that it's too short, too long, or just right?
1: I think it's probably just right. I mean, Denver's amazing at home. They are 6 0, winning by an average of 14.2 points per game. They're really burying teams. And if you add that to the Lakers' struggles on the road, I mean, they won the the two games, you know, by 5 and 16, but the other four games, 15, 27, 17, and 10. I know you brought that up um, earlier. And I think that plays a big factor here with Denver's ability to win at home. During the regular season they were thirty one and four when Joker played at home. So I mean I think that I think they have the ability to be able to get some separation towards the end of the game. Um, maybe some of the maybe Ham, you know, pulls the guys in, maybe it's a blowout early and puts the bench guys in. Uh I mean I can see it going either way, but I like Denver's depth and the way they play at home a lot more than I trust the role players of the Lakers to be able to play at home. So I'm completely like fascinated. I mean, on the road, I'm completely fascinated of of what we're going to see by the two coaches as far as game plan lineups. Um, But I think that the main thing that Denver has to do is just keep, Anthony Davis in the pick and roll, got to keep him away from the basket, and try to prevent the Lakers from getting to the free throw line. If they can do that, I think they got a good shot to win the series, and especially starts off with this game um, specifically.
0: Yeah, and just to quickly go through the actual money divide amongst the bets here for the Nuggets and Lakers, according to the database that I'm using, I see roughly 62% of the money coming in on Denver, minus the six. I also see around 54% of the tickets. For the Lakers, you have roughly 38% of the money coming in on the plus six and 46% of the tickets. So Denver does seem, I don't want to say like the sharp side, because it does seem like the public does like Denver a bit more, but there is more money coming in on the Nuggets than the actual number of bets. So it does seem like the Sharps are leaning more towards Denver based on that disparity, but it is relatively close. Uh, But I do think that, for me, I'm going to lean to Denver. This line, based on what we've seen from the Lakers, it does seem like the the oddsmakers have actually done a pretty good job, game in, game out, of pricing the Lakers. When they've been underdogs by a decent amount on the road, they've tended to get buried, and when spreads have been close, they have covered – I'm going to assume that the oddsmakers got this one right because at first glance, I thought this number was too high. I thought it would be closer to four and a half. Lakers had some time off. You figured that they wouldn't exactly be exhausted after that long series against Golden State. But I think the fact that the spread is six is interesting to me, and I am going to link to Denver in Game 1. Once again, I do think at the end of the day, the Lakers will win the series, me personally. But I do think Game 1 might be a feel-out process for them. Denver at home is undefeated. They've won every home game besides the closeout game against Memphis, against Minnesota, I mean, sorry, relatively comfortably. So I am going to link to Denver personally, but it's mostly just based on the line looking a little bit large at first glance, which I think is more trappy to me. So I'm actually going to link to Denver. But in general, uh, kind of time to transition over to the total. Uh, to look at the regular season meetings, three of the four meetings, the last three meetings actually, got into the 230s. This total's at 222. You might see a feel-out process either for the offenses or the defenses. I think the offense will actually be ahead of the defenses in the series because Jokic defensively has been pretty good so far this postseason, but you look at the teams he's been against. He was guarding Gobert and DeAndre Ayton and the Suns didn't exactly do much to try to exploit him in pick-and-roll coverage. We know the Lakers are going to spam pick-and-rolls against Jokic the entire series, and I do think that'll be a problem. And as for the Lakers, I'm not sure how they're going to defend Jokic. I'm assuming it's going to be Anthony Davis, but Jokic had good success against him in the regular season, and you want Davis there for his rim protection, and Jokic is going to take uh, AD away from the basket. I'm on the over. I feel like that's my favorite play for this game. I don't really understand why this number is that low. Maybe one of you can explain it to me. Denver defensively, have they looked good in the postseason? They look fine. But once again, I do think they were against two inferior teams compared to the Lakers for their depth. I'm on the over. If you're asking me, do I see each team scoring at least 111 points in this game? I can see that. So I'm going to go with the over. I do think at the end of the day, this number seems short. I'll back what I saw in the regular season. In this game's got a decent shot to get into the 230s, but I do like the over as my favorite play on the total. Delonte, what do you like for the total? Yeah,
1: I like the under. Um, simply simply put, I just think it's going to be more of a slug fist, half-court type of game. Now, Denver has uh, the ability to get out in transition, which is where the Lakers are weak at, but how much do you want to run Joker up and down the floor and expect him to be a facilitator, scorer, and all the things that you want him to be for the duration of the game? So I think they got to – kind of find a, a soft medium in between those of being able to run in transition and play in the half court. But ultimately I think the Lakers, we all know what they want to do. They want to get to the free throw line. They want to get downhill. I think the Nuggets are going to do a good job with their perimeter defenders of being able to, you know, cut off some of those gaps and not let those guys go by freely. Now, they don't have the rim protection, but I think they'll, I think we'll see a lot of zone uh, from Denver here just to protect some of those guys from foul trouble and to keep Joker somewhat out of the pick and roll. Um, but I think underrated and not talked about, you know, enough thing throughout the playoffs, me and you, Scott, we both talked about it is Denver's defense. I mean, they held Phoenix to under 110 points, four to six games. They held Minnesota under 110 twice. Uh, their points per possession on defense is almost four points lower uh, now than it was in the regular season, obviously smaller sample size. But just from an eye test perspective, you can see that they are a lot more locked in and engaged defensively than they were um in a regular season so i think the defenses prevail here i think they come out a little bit rusty a uh, lot of bricks thrown up in the uh, early on i probably take the first half under also uh, if you just want to split a unit half unit on first half under half unit on the full game under but i do like the under in the game
0: and terrell what about you do you have any thoughts in the total
2: uh yeah, I'm uh, I'm going with late on this one. I'm on the under. I think that the Lakers defense is really going to challenge. I probably think I want to play a first half under honestly more than the full game and just hope that um they start off one.
0: slow and they figure it out as they go.
2: Yeah, so Lakers going in altitude, like we're not gonna not talk about that. That's still always gonna be something. Now they got a couple of guys that are used to playing at altitude, you know, all those guys that came over from the jazz, you know, that sneaky altitude that we like to call it. So we got some guys that are familiar with that, but I still think that there's still a little bit of, hey, we gotta figure out how to play this Denver team as we're constructed. Like this isn't just the Nuggets having to figure it out and how they are going to play this team. The Lakers have to figure out how they're gonna play them as well because they haven't played them like this. So it's, it's going to be completely new for them as well. I think that there is a little bit of a feeling out process on both sides on that end. I think that um, defensively, the Denver Nuggets are going to have to try to figure it out early too. That first half, one fourteen, it looks really, really good to the under. I'm not going to lie to you. So I think that's one of my plays.
0: Well, you mentioned the guys from Utah who came over. The question I do want to ask you is how many guys from Utah in that trade are actually going to be playing in the series? Because Vanderbilt... Well, let me go ahead and
2: let me go ahead and trans yeah. Let me transition you into our prop section and talk to you about it because I'm on both of two of the guys that I think are gonna have some impact. Um well, one coming from Minnesota, the other one coming from uh Utah, and that is Jeremy Vanderbilt. I think they've shown over the course of this series that they like playing him because of his defense. Now, ultimately, did they kind of phase him out of that Golden State series because they were focusing a lot on the guards? Yeah, but now they know that, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is out there. He can still switch one through five on against Denver. He's going to be a little bit on Jokic. We'll, it's probably going to be more Anthony Davis, but he's going to have some, some moments where he's on Jokic. Like Vanderbilt is probably going to be the person that they're leaning on for that defensive intensity like they did very much in that uh, first series where they had him on John Morant. So I don't see it listed now. I'll wait to see, probably uh, have to wait closer to game time when starting lineups come out. We know exactly what he's playing, where he's playing, how many minutes he's playing. But I'm definitely on defensive uh, steals and blocks combo for Vanderbilt whenever that gets released. I think that he is going to play in this series and they're going to lean on him more on the defensive end. Trying to slow down this Denver offense has been really, really good.
0: A part and, of is trying to wonder who he's going to be matched up on defensively because he can really guard anybody. Yeah, he, he can, can guard anybody, guard.
2: which is great. So just put him out there and, and you can switch everything with him. He's good. I mean, I give it to him. I think he's going to have a pretty good series in terms of how that first series we were able to get him on steals and blocks at plus monies a couple of times. I think that it's going to be able to do that too. So, uh, yeah, Vanderbilt is one second player that I'm backing post-trade deadline here. Guy from Minnesota, give me D-low over two and a half threes. That is at plus 140 right now. You look at his history versus the um, Denver Nuggets over the course of this year. All the games he did play was with Minnesota, and he was – Didn't have a lot of points, 10 points, 18 points, 13 points in those games, but his volume really, really low in that Minnesota's in with Minnesota's four for seven, six for nine, four for eight. Look at the percentages. He was shooting over 50 percent against this team this year from three. He was two for four, three for five, three for six this season. I think that we're going to see a little bit of that. I feel more comfortable with him. And this series, in terms of him just being able to get more open from the three-point line and being able to knock down some big-time threes for them, and we can go for a long time. Like, he just has really, really good numbers from three against Denver, like uh, 2 for 4, 3 for 5, 3 for 6, 2 for 5, 3 for 8, 2 for 6, 3 for 7, 4 for 9, 4 for 7, 6 for 12, 6 for 9, 3 for 5. Like, he's hit this prop in... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of the last 13 meetings against Denver. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and back him for plus money here.
0: Okay. Uh, for me, one prop I am looking at it's actually going to be a guy who performed well towards the end of that Sun series. Uh, he had 19 points in game five, he had 21 points in game three. I am going to lean to the under on Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I see his points props at 15 and a half. Juice to the under at around minus 128. I think the number's too high. I think Porter Jr., of course, is mostly a three-point shooter here. The Lakers, though, have done a really good job so far in the playoffs of guarding the three-point line, and Porter Jr.'s career has not had much success against the Lakers. In fact, he's gone under this number in five of his seven career games against the Lakers. And I do think that with him potentially struggling with foul trouble or defense, we'll see how many minutes he actually plays. He might be guarding LeBron, so who knows? We'll see how the Nuggets decide to divide up the matchups here. But I do think Porter Jr. is going to have a hard time in the series because defensively he might get torched. So I do think Malone, we know, is pretty quick to pull Porter Jr. when his defense gets out of whack I think that might happen in this game but it's mostly based on the Lakers really doing a good job of guarding the 3.1 throughout the playoffs if Porter Jr. doesn't go let's just say 4 for 9 from 3 or maybe even 5 for 10 can he go over like I don't think so I think he's most of his shots are going to be from the three-point line. obviously in the series 15 and a half seems a little bit large to me for a guy that needs to hit five threes and then some, or maybe four three-pointers and a couple other baskets. I think I'm going to lean to Porter Jr. under. That number feels a little bit high. I know Delonte and I were on Porter Jr.'s unders to start that Phoenix series, and it worked out very well. But I do think that Porter Jr., once again, doesn't have a great matchup for him in this spot because he's either, he's either going to be guarding LeBron or even for bench units guarding Hachimura, who can draw some fouls. I do think the Lakers, we keep talking about how they're going to try to get Yogic in pick and rolls. They might get Porter Jr. in some pick and rolls because he's not good at defense either. I'm on Porter Jr. unders. DeLante, I know that we both agreed with that for the for the Phoenix series. You agree in this game?
1: No, that's actually one of my uh, favorite bits of the day. Michael Porter Jr. over 14. And oh, a half. So we just
0: disagree on everything, today. <laughs> right. right? But yeah,
1: uh, so I think this, like I said, I mean, we talked about it on the series preview. I think this this is a series that he has to prove himself and to be able to take that next step. So uh, it's, I see 15 and a half and 14 and a half. So technically, he can go 15 and we both win. So You know, that's a possibility, but he'll likely like if Vando's in the game, they'll probably Michael Malone will probably put him on Vando just so he won't have to use as much energy defensively. And they'll probably go at him in in certain pick and rolls. But the Lakers don't put uh, Vanderbilt in a lot of pick and roll situations. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that works out. So, you know, he's going to have a matchup advantage on the floor pretty much. Unless Rui comes in and plays, which I, I like Rui, I'll get to that later. But, like, he's going to have the size advantage throughout the whole series. I mean, he's had moments in the playoffs this year, but inconsistent as a whole. You know, 12.8 points per game uh, the last two series – or the last series, is you know, it's not going to get it done. Um, he's shooting the ball still pretty good from deep, 38%. Uh, so, like you said, Scott, if he hits a couple of those threes, uh, that could open some things up for him to get to the lane. Um We all know he's not lacking confidence, so I think he has to be able to play with a a, a real aggression and be able to really lock in and and give Joker and Murray some of those um, some time off and not let them have to do everything. So I like Michael Porter Jr. over 14 and a half points. Um, I think he has the ability to score 20 plus this game.
0: Yeah, we're talking about some role players. I kind of want to go back to the main guy for Denver here with Jokic because – His regular season numbers against the Lakers are so, or his regular season numbers in general are so misleading in terms of points because he never really shot the ball enough in the regular season because he didn't need to. Then the playoffs came around. He said, fine, I guess I'll drop 40 points in a game if I have to. And then he drops a casual 50 piece. To read off his point totals against the Lakers uh, this season, in the four games, he had 31, 13, and 9 in the first game, 23, 14, and 6 in the second game. 25, 11, and 8 in the third game, and 14, 11, and 16 in the last game on five of five shooting from the floor. I don't think he's going to attempt five shots again in this game. Is there anything I could take away from those regular season games? Because each of those meetings, Jokic shot the ball less than 18 times. I don't expect that to happen again in this game, but in theory with the Lakers struggling a bit off-ball defensively and then struggling in transition – does that bode well for Jokic assists, or do you think he has a bigger uh, scoring series in this matchup?
1: Oh, you can go ahead, bro. Just... I just—I think he's waiting for you to go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't—I really don't know. Like, I—I don't know how. That's what I'm saying. Gonna... It's
0: really tough. I—I I yeah. can't really take anything away from the regular season games yeah. because I mean, once again, yeah. the last meeting he has 16 assists, but he goes five for five from the floor. I don't know what we're going to expect from Jokic
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to play him. Like, I don't know if they want to – because Anthony Davis, I think, will maybe guard him, like, later on in the game, like, if it tightens up. But I don't think he'll be on him, you know, throughout the duration of the game. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, maybe they try to put some size on the floor and, and get Rui to guard him, or – I really don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to see how some of these things play out. Um, and, I mean, i pretty much – I don't think it matters what – I think it matters who they put on. I think Joker's going to do whatever he thinks is best for them to win that specific game. I don't think he's going in with a mindset of, oh yeah, I got to score 30 or I got to get, you know, 15 assists and 15 rebounds. I think he just kind of lets the game come to him. And I think that's one of his better attributes, but as far as how they're going to play him is what I'm fascinated by because Let's say if they do play Anthony Davis on him for the duration, he's probably going to bring him out, and that's going to open up the lane for those other guys to get to the rim because the Lakers don't have any rim protection outside of AD. So if they put some, somebody smaller on him, he'll probably be posting up more, which will mm-hmm. likely cause more doubles, so he'll have the assist and mm-hmm. he'll have more put-back rebounds. So, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a coin flip of how he's going to do it. But all in all, I think that when the game tightens up, then it will be Anthony Davis, but – I just don't think you'll be able to guard him and stay out of foul trouble for a full, you know, 48.
0: I think that's kind of the point I was trying to make, which is that Jokic, who is the main guy people want to bet on because he's the superstar of the league, definitely a top three player in the league, arguably the best player in the league. You can have that discussion. But his triple-doubles plus 115 – and yet I'm not sure if he's going to treat this game as a, I need to score 35 or if I can just give 15 assists. That's the point. That's how good he is. You don't know on a game-in, game-out basis. And Phoenix, you could tell the point total was going to be the move the entire series because they weren't sending a double the entire series, and Jokic was walking into 30-plus points every game. I am curious how the Lakers are going to defend Jokic, but for Game 1 purposes – I have a hard time of actually picking how I want to attack Jokic props because he can go for 30. He can get 15 assists. It kind of balances out in between. So I'm not really sure. But I do think it's kind of interesting because Jokic in the regular season was more passive because he could afford to be. And the Lakers we've seen against the Warriors, et cetera, had problems on occasion of staying with guys off ball because they would get a little bit too – focused on trying to keep an eye on the ball handler and they would let some guys cut back door, et cetera, or fall asleep on some actions. So I think I would probably lean to Jokic assists if I had to pick a spot for Jokic here. But if you went for a triple double, would I be shocked? No. If you went for 35 points, would I be shocked? No, because he's arguably the best player in the entire league. So once again, it's a pretty tricky spot for Jokic, but do any of you have any thoughts on the actual star players for this game for props or you're only interested in the role players?
2: so Jokic I feel like the only way I would play him is points rebound and assist I'm not going to play the game of is he going to start doing more assists or is he going to be trying to score the ball here I would just play his points rebound and assist over and just cover my basis there because I do agree with you and what you guys were saying of I think that there is either the Lakers decide all right Jokic, you can get whatever you want because we've seen in the past that your teams have not done as well when you are the sole facilitator of scoring and you are the sole reason of scoring. I'm perfectly fine of locking down everybody else, not allowing you to get everybody else going, and we'll see if you can score 100 points and beat us. Whereas he can have that game, like you know, Lante said, of maybe they do go a little bit smaller on him to avoid AD going on him. AD does dock. A lot of center smoke like we will not we will not allow him to get away from that he ducks a lot of center smoke so very well could be go a little smaller double team he gets everybody else going he gets it um, a lot more of assists. I think the points rebound and assist because I know he's going to stack up rebounds he's going to have a good rebounding series just on the defensive rebounding and so uh I think that that's one way uh for LeBron and AD I'm Outside of AD getting his own head is really LeBron for me. I don't know who's stopping LeBron. Like, I don't know who's stopping LeBron. When LeBron wants to get a full head of steam and goes to the basket and get a bucket, I really, really have no idea who's going to stop him from doing that. I think that that's going to increase his turnovers for sure. Because, you know, he does get sometimes a little overzealous, careless of the basketball. He looks at turnovers. That's the first stat he looks at at the game every single game. He cares about it, but it just doesn't work out for him that way. So I think he's going to have a lot of turnovers because he's going to be so aggressive. But honestly, like with a chance to go to the finals, I think this level of LeBron scoring that we're about to see is going to be, you know, like taking a time machine back a couple of years for him. I think he's really, really going to dominate scoring in this series. And I wouldn't be surprised if he led this series in scoring.
0: Yeah. I think that one thing or reason why I was leaning to the Lakers to win the series was the fact that LeBron one aspect of the postseason that not enough people are talking about has been LeBron's ability to pace his energy and to pick his spots. And I do wonder from what we saw in game six, LeBron looked like he was still a top-five player in the league just looking at Game 6 against the Warriors. They couldn't do anything. LeBron Mm -hmm. looked like it was a vintage game from like 2017, and nobody stood a chance, especially with Wiggins, who had a broken rib. I do wonder if LeBron has been pacing himself this whole time that he's going to just unleash all the energy into beating Denver and potentially have a masterclass for an overall series. And maybe he averages like 35 in the series, and we'll go from there. I don't think Aaron Gordon can guard him, but I think Aaron Gordon's going to do his best to force LeBron to hit some jump shots and to try to clog the lane. Am I leaning to LeBron threes then? Because I've been roasting LeBron for taking too many threes this entire postseason. It's interesting, but I do wonder for game one if LeBron's going to try to go all out attacking towards the rim, or maybe he once again does what he normally does in years past, which is try to read what Denver's doing defensively see what coverages they're going to run, and make some adjustments from there. I don't think Aaron Gordon can guard LeBron. I think he might be able to once again force him to hit some jump shots, and we'll see if LeBron can hit those jump shots. But I kind of agree with Terrell here. I can I can somewhat see a world where LeBron takes over the series because he paced himself the entire postseason, and we saw in Game 6 when LeBron wants to bring it offensively, Nobody can do anything about it, and LeBron can probably still walk into thirty-five if he wants to.
2: I, I, I truly just, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Everybody, first of all, first of all, LeBron James is unguardable, people. So saying that somebody's doing amazing on them, holding them to 20 is like very good. But that's why he's I said
0: limiting to threes, you're yeah, hoping for an Like limiting. You're just
2: for- hoping that they limit. There's nobody that's gonna if LeBron wants to go score, there's nobody that's gonna stop him. Like, I don't care. But limiting him, that is what you're looking for. And um I don't think that I think just like Scott said, man, it seems like he's been saving this for this series and next series where he's going to put it all out there. Because if you look around the league, this may be one of your last chances. Like this is a very, very good opportunity you have here. So, yeah, I even in a loss, I think LeBron is going to, you know, do his thing where he's going hard the whole way. Like you're in conference finals and it's LeBron James who's undefeated in conference finals.
0: Is he undefeated in conference finals? Didn't he lose to the Celtics a while back? Or was that the second round or was that conference finals? I thought that was conference finals when there were rumors that LeBron quit on quit on the game. And that was game six against. I mean, that was at this point, like 15 plus years ago. Yeah, it, like it's a really a while.
2: long time ago. But it's for it's a while. A while for, but. for the most part, he's very, very good in conference finals. If he's lost, yeah. he lost one.
0: Well, you might be right, though. LeBron might try to set the tone early. Maybe the Lakers steal game one, and LeBron says, all right, if we're going to win this game, I need to drop 30, so let's go. He might set the tone. We'll see. He also might be passive. So it's really tough, once again, to assume what's going to happen in this game because there are a couple of directions it could take. I feel better about LeBron points for game two. Or maybe if they lose Game One, I'll be all over LeBron props for Game Two because they cannot afford to go down two nothing. So maybe that's how I will look at it. But it wouldn't shock me once again if LeBron has a good game in Game One. But I do want to ask both of you one more time before we officially wrap up the player prop section. Anything else you want to talk about uh, for the player props or for the side, or should we move on?
2: I'm
1: good.
0: All right, Dolante, what about you? Anything else? You
1: want uh, to talk yeah, about? I don't see. I, I will be. I'll be on Rui. Um. I don't see any of his props yet, but I think he'll be on the floor a lot more being able to defend Michael Porter Jr. and to give him some length and size on the interior. So uh, when his points and rebounds prop comes out, I'll be I'll be on him because I think you'll see a lot more minutes.
0: Yeah, on, I was looking for Rui series. too. I think it's a good Rui series because mm-hmm. the Nuggets bench unit doesn't exactly have many guys that can guard him based on size. He's kind of a tweener, Rui, so I do think it's a bit of a tough matchup there for Denver. So we'll see what happens, but I didn't see any props on him either. But I don't have anything either, so we're going to move on to the actual lock and dog picks. But before I get into any of that, going to have another quick word from our sponsor, They're still there. They just got moved into the second ad read. It's going to be Shady Rays, and Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventure. That's not all. Shady Rays also offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on the first day, they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked. Where your shader is, confidence because they have your back long enough to purchase. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Go to ShadyRays.com. And use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polar sunglasses. Then take your receipt to slash shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest welcome back everyone to the nba gambling podcast just finished previewing game one between the lakers and the nuggets in the western conference finals but now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks but before we actually do any of that there's been breaking news in the nba and i feel like we got to talk about it there's a new coaching vacancy because doc rivers has finally been let go the 76ers have decided to fire him after that game seven second half debacle i'm gonna start off with both of you Simple question. I feel like we're all going to agree on this, but I am going to ask it. Was it the right move to fire Doc Rivers? Depends well, on what uh, you do with the.
1: Depends on what you do with the rest of the roster.
0: Okay. Well, Terrell's nodding his head, so I know what he thinks. So your answer is maybe. That's the yeah. cop out answer. Okay. Yeah, it is, is, what you're yeah, going it with? is definitely it, copped out. Like, I mean, yes, if, I mean, if,
1: if they, I mean, is he tot- Was he totally the pro- I mean, was he totally the problem?
0: I give Doc Rivers virtually none of the blame for Game Seven. Because both Embiid and Harden refused to show up for a must-win game, it's but it's based his on yeah, his reputation. So, so. He's seventeen and thirty-three in series clinching games. At some point, you got to realize you need a new voice in the building. I was shocked they kept him last year after they no showed that home game against Miami and they got eliminated in six, I believe. I'm not shocked that they got rid of him. They can't throw Embiid under the bus. He just won MVP. They got to keep him. I'm not sure if Harden's going to come back. There's rumors that he might go to Houston. There are even Phoenix rumors that he might go to the Suns and he might replace Chris Paul. We'll see what happens there. But they're not going to blame Embiid, so they have to blame somebody. It's not as big of a scapegoat situation as Phoenix. I thought the Monty Williams firing was kind of absurd because of how bad their overall roster was. But I understand it. People aren't a fan of Monty Williams, and people think Doc Rivers is not a great coach either. But I'm not shocked they fired him. I thought they were going to last year. Maury gave him another shot at it. And you know Maury and James Harden are boys, so I don't think he's going to blame Harden for it either. I'm not shocked Doc Rivers got fired, but I do think I had to bring it up. Now, it is interesting when it comes to the coaching vacancies because now Nick Nurse has his choice potentially of a couple of MVPs who he can coach if he gets the offer. I know Monte Williams was linked heavily to Milwaukee, so we'll see what happens there. But I just wanted to bring up the Doc Rivers news because I'm not shocked he got fired. I thought whoever was going to lose Game 7 between Missoula or Doc Rivers was going to get fired. And as a result, Doc Rivers was the weakest link, and the Sixers told him goodbye. But I'm not going to speculate on who is thinks to become the next head coach for Philly. If I had to guess for those markets, I'd lean, I'd lean to Sam Cassell, who was the assistant coach for the last year or so, and the players seem to like him a lot. I would lean to Sam Cassell. But I'm not surprised Doc Rivers got fired. And if you want to make a last second point.
2: Uh, I just say that now is the time that if you wanted to make a move, you had to make a move because you have a lot of really good coaches that are on the market and you can't avoid. You can't, you know, sit here and say you're giving somebody one more opportunity and then one of those coaches get picked up by somebody and now next season you're looking and you're kind of holding the bag. So if you had to move, you had to make a move now.
0: I do want to ask, though, with Harden being a bit unknown for the future, and with Maxi and Harris being under contract, and we know Maxi can be a really, really good player in this league, and we saw Embiid both the good and the bad this season, and truth is his playoff numbers were kind of similar to his playoff performances in his, in his entire career. How desirable of a job is the Philly job? Because I know that, of course, you get the defending MVP, and you know Embiid is a dominant force in the regular season. Durability is a concern. And you're looking at the contracts, the Bias Harris contract has aged better. Still not a great deal by any means. Is that a top like five or ten job in the league or is it a bit overrated? Just going to ask.
1: Um, that's a good question, actually. Uh,
0: I think it's probably I, I, I am wondering right- if it's a desirable job or not.
1: Yeah, it's probably between, probably between seven and nine, somewhere between somewhere between that. Yeah, so I guess it's top ten.
0: I guess what I'm asking is, do you think any of the superstar head coaches that are available would pick Philly over a Milwaukee or over any of these other destinations that are available? I'm not sure. I think Milwaukee is the best destination by far because you get Giannis and you could argue the contracts there aren't great either, but at least they want a title. You're inheriting an experienced and you're inheriting an overall roster that has a lot of success in the postseason in the past based on winning a title. Philly doesn't have that. So you can argue that the pressure is high, but the expectations are also a little bit low because none of the previous coaches were able to actually break through into the conference finals. Terrell, I'm going to ask you, do you think the Philly job is actually a very desirable job or do you think it's a bit overrated?
2: No, I think it's a desirable job. I think that the, I think that you just got to put the pieces together and you just got to bring in the personnel that you want to bring in for your system. But when you say you have Joel Embiid, you have James Harden, you can make it work, we've seen the pick and roll with them be deadly and literally something that has been unguardable. So there's ways to make it work. You just need the right person to put it together. And I think any coach, anybody that thinks that they're a really good coach, you're looking at that and saying, I can make that work, not... You know, there's like people like us. We're not coaches. We are not coaches. So yep. it's easy to see all the faults and all the things that are wrong with the situation. Oh, well, no. But a good coach, somebody that knows that they're a good coach, you're looking at that and you're looking at your chops like, oh, yeah, I can make this roster work. I can move this around, that around, bring this guy in, bring that guy in, instill this and we can be good.
0: I think the Philly job's more desirable than like Toronto, for example. But I do think we can agree the
2: best job available right now is Milwaukee. Correct. Do we agree on that? I think it's, I think it's a close tie with Milwaukee and um, Philly. Honestly, I don't think okay. there's, I don't think there's as large as a gap with them and everybody else. I think that we, and it's of course, that's the three jobs with MVPs are the best jobs like by far.
1: Yeah. I think, I think Milwaukee just has the best player. So I would rather coach the best player and work out whatever he is around him on both sides of the ball. So I think Milwaukee's the better job.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the last point I'll make and the reason why the Philly job looks good on paper, but it is it is a bit concerning. On one hand, you could be the one to break through with an MVP, and of course you'll be famous if you were able to pull off the – I don't want to compare it to like the Theo Epstein GM job, but the point is <laughs> if you're able to win a title with a team that has a great history of basketball – but hasn't had much winning titles in the past couple of decades Then you're a legend just in one season. But I am wondering, or I am a bit concerned, Embiid has had a lot of duds in the playoffs, and it feels like the fan base never blames him ever, which is a bit concerning. I am going to ask you, though, since you agreed, uh, or at least one of you agreed that Milwaukee is the much better job, or at least the better job. Is Philly the better job than Phoenix? Because I didn't even bring up Phoenix. I
1: don't know. No, I don't think so. Terrell,
0: what do you think? You think Phoenix is a better job than Philly or no?
1: Um, yeah.
0: I think it's an yeah. interesting conversation.
1: Yeah. I, th- um, I think Phoenix is way better.
0: Cause I completely forgot to mention Phoenix earlier, and I kind of no. That's done. why
2: I said all three. I think all three are yeah. like really like come on. Like you have two MVPs on one. You have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker on another. You have Giannis. You have a team that's won a title on another. Like they're all really really nice jobs. I feel like you're um, basically just drawing straws and. Like they're all really, really good jobs. I don't think that it's like you can say one job is more desirable than the other or this or that. But it's like you're really, really like it's a really, really fine line between all these jobs. I think they're pro- they're all the same to me.
0: I think if I had to power rank it, I'd go Milwaukee one, ph- uh, Phoenix two and Philly three. That's how I would power rank it. If I was actually a candidate and I had a choice mm-hmm. in my job, that would be the order I'd go with. But wanted to bring it up. I'm not sure Doc Rivers is going to coach again in the NBA. I don't know if people are ready to have the conversation or not. I'm assuming he will. I could really see him in Detroit. I could just see him trying to inherit a young team, trying to be a floor raiser, which is what I think Doc Rivers is. I think he's a low ceiling, high floor guy. And he's done well with teams in the past with low expectations. With, for example, the Clippers before they got you know, choir, they got any of the superstars there Orlando back in the day when he made them relevant. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, doc could end up in a situation where he's a coach for a relatively bad team. And he's there for player growth. I'd be shocked if any title contending team would give him a chance to coach. Once again, I'd yeah. be shocked.
1: he probably bill Simmons will probably hire him and uh, he could do podcasts with Austin rivers.
0: So. Bill Simmons and Doc Rivers actually hate each other, historically speaking, so I doubt he would actually hire him because Doc Rivers was the coach of the Celtics and Bill Simmons <laughs> roasted him for years. I cannot see Doc Rivers ever working for the ringer, but that's because they have a personal hatred. And I don't know if you follow ESPN; They actually did a beef history between Doc yeah, do. Rivers and Bill Simmons. So <laughs> I don't see that, that nice. happening. I think I'll end up on ESPN or any of those, maybe like a TNT analyst, but... Doc Rivers, I think he's going to take the season off from coaching. Let's put it that way. But anyway, wanted to bring that up because that was another piece of breaking news that went live during the actual show. So now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for game one. Terrell, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for game one?
2: For my lock, I'm going to... That... Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to that first half under. Give me an under 114 in the first half. I think that the Lakers, adjusting to the out to Denver, adjusting to the Lakers, the Lakers got to adjust to Denver. It's a lot going on. Probably a little bit slower, more defensive of the first half. I will take the 114, and scoring probably picks up in the second half. For my dog, I like... Um, how do I want to play this?
0: Endless possibilities.
2: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. All right. Uh, We have... What's D-Lo? So D-Lo was 140. Mm. Let's go with LeBron James. I'm going to just trust LeBron and just say that LeBron gets going. He understands this is a... Uh, start the tone in the series very, very well, especially not having home court. Maybe they can steal game one. Either way, even if this does start to pull away from Denver, I don't think Braun just sits and gives up. I think that this is one of the more stat-padding Bron series that we see because it is the conference finals. Uh, give me LeBron, 30-plus points, plus 250.
0: Okay. Uh, so I know the trail you got to mm-hmm. head out. So thanks for the plays. And uh, let the people know where they can find you quickly before you
2: leave. Oh, at really real underscore underscore you already know
0: yep sounds good so i'll see you around terrell uh for my lock and dog a lot of choices here um i think for my actual play i am going to go to a rebounding prop question is who do i want to go with because i do think that a- i think ad and Jokic are going to take each other away from the basket a little bit so i do think it's a pretty good spot to actually take some supporting cast guys to get some rebounds even though I roasted him potentially for points, I do like the rebounds for Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> in this matchup. I really do. He had eight-plus rebounds in three of the last four games against Phoenix. And to look at his numbers against the Lakers rebounding-wise, Porter Jr. has actually been pretty good. The last three games, seven rebounds, nine rebounds, six rebounds. In the last two games, he played less than 29 minutes, and he wasn't even in foul trouble. So I do think Porter Jr., Could do a good job getting rebounds if Jokic gets taken away from the basket. I think the Lakers are going to spam and pick and roll. So I do think you're going to end up seeing a lot of opportunities for Gordon and for Porter Jr. to get some rebounds. My lock, though, will be Porter Jr. over 5.5 rebounds at minus 132. The number feels a little bit low, so I'm going to go with that. And for my dog... You know what? I'm going to go with a really random prop, which I don't really have stats to back it up, but I think it's kind of funny. I'm going to go with both teams to score in the first minute of the game. (laughs) No, at plus 138. I'm going to go with the ultra lightning degen bet. I'm going to take both teams to not score in the first minute at plus 138. (laughs) Both teams are going to want to run, but on a jump ball, I expect to see a pretty ugly first couple minutes. I know that you and Terrell were leading to the first half under, For the game, expecting a bit of a rock fight, a feeling out process. I'm going to have some fun with this one. Uh, Once again, it's a complete crapshoot because it's game one, so I think it is a crapshoot. Give me both teams to not score in the first minute at plus 138. It might (laughs) only be two possessions, so you might only have to sweat it out for whatever, but give me a brick and maybe a good defensive showing as teams feel each other out. You might see a very ugly first half, but I'm going to have some fun. So give me both teams to not score in the first minute at plus 138 as my hashtag Gens only dog for the show. <laughs> uh, what about you, Delonte? What do you like?
1: Yeah, for the lock, I'm going back to my guy, Michael Porter Jr. with his points over 14 and a half. Uh, said it from the beginning, I think it's going to be a big series for him. Um, I do like his rebounds also. I was looking at his double-double as around 7-1 to one also. So if you like that, if you want to tell me and Scott, Technically, you can profit off of both of those. The um, seven to one. I think you'll have to rebound more with Anthony Davis being in the um, in the interior, so mm-hmm. he'll have to help out Joker. And like I said, the Lakers don't have a lot of size, so I think he'll be able to get some easy putbacks and um, and crash the board. So I like the double double at seven to one, and also the um, his points as a lock for uh, well, the points of the lock. But I'm just uh, uh, honorable mention, I guess, is the. Um, double double but as for the dog i'm going with lebron triple double um you and terrell both talked about his scoring ability and how he <clears throat> excuse me how he's going to be able to pretty much score at will. it was really
0: the game six he showed off that gear that he still has it if he needs it
1: yeah and i mean i'm not i'm not as high on lebron's like scoring ability i don't think he's quite that I don't think he's quite that player. I was going to say,
0: even with that dominant performance, he still had nine points and nine rebounds. He did everything right. in that game.
1: Yeah. So, in, in game one since 2012, in game one as a Laker, I think he has, um, he's averaged 19.4 rebounds and assists combined. So, I think he'll get, he'll have chances to be able to get a triple double. Um, it's 20 to 1 at DraftKings, 17 to 1 at FanDuel. Um,
0: you might be like, able to same game parlay it for a better price. Who knows?
1: Yeah, maybe, but I'll just go for just for the sake of having odds right now. I'll go twenty to one on DraftKings right now for LeBron triple double.
0: Yep. All right. Cool. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Once again, shout out to Terrell for stopping by. Uh, I know we had to leave early, but still, shout out to him. Uh, besides that, though, Delonte, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at xxlonte
1: xx. I uh, got a few articles coming out this week, so be on the lookout for that.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Right Show Radio doing a bunch of podcasts. I should be having a couple of tennis podcasts throughout the rest of the week. So stay tuned for that. might be having a daily tennis episode for like four straight days. So keep an (laughs) eye out for it. Besides that, I do know for breaking news purposes, Terrell and I will be resuming the WNBA show, which will be starting up, I believe on Wednesday. Once again, if you didn't know and you want more basketball, by the way, WNBA starting this weekend. So get excited. You can still bet on a brand new season. And yes, uh, the money still spends the same. Nobody judges. Once again, this is, DGEN's only let it ride, so you can bet on any sport you want, including women's basketball. I know that Terrell and I made a lot of money last year betting on women's basketball. But other than that, though, enjoy the game. I'm pretty sure Munaf is going to be back tomorrow, I think, or is it Thursday? I'm trying to remember when he's uh, yeah, he back. Yeah, I think he said
1: okay, Thursday. Okay, so
0: uh, tomorrow's overall schedule should be sorry just quickly trying to see if i could find it i can't find it so never mind some of us are think, going to be here tomorrow
1: i think it's you i think it's you and taru I'm I'm, I'm I'm assuming it me.
0: would be uh because yeah. that's usually what the wednesday schedule is but mm-hmm. other than that they'll be back once again tomorrow to go through the eastern conference finals game one between the celtics and and the heat but once again until next time good luck to all of you and all of your bets bye everyone